Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so grateful that you're joining me today for a conversation with my friend, Kate Erickson. And Kate is a badass, charismatic, and thoughtful influencer in the entrepreneur world. She is the implementer and brains behind Entrepreneur on Fire, which has been one of the most popular and influential podcasts in the entrepreneur space for many years. She is also the host of the podcast, Kate's Take, and author of The Fire Path, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Your Online Business. Kate is passionate about helping entrepreneurs create freedom in their business and life through developing systems and success processes that can help that business scale and grow. Kate lives in Puerto Rico with her significant other, John Lee Dumas. Kate, (laughs) welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Thanks for the awesome intro, Andy. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's uh, exciting for me to have you on. Uh, Really cool. We met... Of course, I've been following you and and your podcast for a few years and uh, use uh, some of your products, the Freedom Journal, but uh, we finally got a chance to meet at Podcast Movement last August, I think. So it's been uh, about six, seven, eight months or so since then. We've been trying to put this together and finally on the calendar. So really great to have you on. Yeah, it's it's been like such a long time coming. I feel like Podcast Movement was years away for some reason. (laughs) Doesn't it seem like a long time ago? It does. It is coming up again in two months. So I know. Are you going to be there? I'll be there. Awesome. See you there again. Yes. (laughs) So for those that don't know you, I thought maybe we could start a little bit of your background, share some of your origin story, if you don't mind, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So I'm kind of a very untraditional entrepreneur, if you will. Um, I grew up in the corporate world, kind of feeling like I was going to go to college and climb the corporate ladder and my degree would fully determine everything that I did in life after that point, you know, the typical, all that stuff, which is great and fine. It's all that I knew though. I didn't know the entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. I did. Did you know that entrepreneurship existed? No, I did not. Uh, my, yeah. when I grew up, uh, my te- my parents were teachers and all they cared about was get a college degree and get a job. And I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship until right after college, I think I, I somehow got a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that opened my eyes to this idea of entrepreneurship. Otherwise, I had no idea. I think that's so cool how there are like these moments that we can turn to and go back in time. And like, it was that one book that kind of like flipped that switch for you. Mm-hmm. And it was the same exact thing for me. Like I remember sitting with my girlfriends one night and we used to get together weekly for dinner. We'd all, um, you know, rush home from our corporate jobs, which we all hated. And then we get together and we would complain about how much we hated our corporate jobs. And for some reason, one night we were just like, why don't we all start a business together? Like, why are we going into these jobs and letting other people tell us what to do? And all of us were like, can you Hmm. actually do that? (laughs) Yeah. So like, that was the conversation that kind of started this idea that like, wow, there, there has to be something else out there. I have no idea why it's taken me this long to figure that out, that it doesn't have to be corporate America. So anyways, I, I went to college 
got a job, was working up the corporate ladder, and then was like, this this isn't for me, but I don't really know what my other options are. So I went back to school again um, to get my master's degree because that was kind of like my, like, let's put life on pause because I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And uh, again, same, you know, same, same story. thing. Like, what am I doing? Let's try to, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, I graduated with my master's in 2008 and I wanted to be a college professor. And that's when did I say 2008? Yeah, 2008. Yeah, that's when I graduated my master's in 2008. This is so weird. <laughs> in an amazing way. Yeah, yeah. And that was like to get a teaching job in 2008 in California, impossible. Like they yeah. were laying teachers off left and right because there was right. all these education cuts and everything. Yeah. And so I was forced back into banking, which is what I was doing before. And I kind of just like had this complacency. Like I was kind of beat down one too many times. Like I guess the corporate world is just how it goes and I need to pay my bills and I need to make rent. So I did that thing for what got me out of that. Oh, okay. So then I met this guy, John Lee Dumas. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I actually moved in next door to him. And I was like, this dude sits on the patio and works all day. Like, what does he do? Why am I getting up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym and showering and rushing out the door to catch my trolley, to get on the bus, to go to the financial district downtown? And then I come back home and John's still sitting on the patio with a laptop computer. I'm like, how does this guy make money? <laughs> so um, he was actually kind of like my reintroduction into entrepreneurship and knowing that I didn't have to go sit in an office all day, all dressed up and you know do the whole administrative thing, which I totally felt very undervalued, very underappreciated. There was no hope for any promotion or, or any upward movement is, is how it seemed to me at that point. And that's when, you know, the wheel started turning and John and I started dating. I moved across the country to Maine. I quit my job. I started my own business. John was working in corporate real estate and then the rest is history. He started Entrepreneurs on Fire and, and I came on board the team. Wow. And the rest is history. You, I feel like, yeah. uh, I don't know, you Seinfeld fans out there, you yada, yada, yada. Over the yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. So you were in San Diego when you met John, right? And, uh, and he, was, uh, he was already working as an entrepreneur at the time. Was, it was real estate that he was in? Yeah, he was doing residential real estate and he had started like a, a BPO business, which for anyone who's familiar with real estate is broker price opinion, which was really hot at the time because there were loads of re refinances going on. Yeah. Um, so the bank, the banks needed people who would do these BPOs. So John kind of started like his own real estate business doing BPOs and, and he was also doing residential real estate stuff. So it was kind of like, you know, he hung his plaque or whatever you call it at an office, but was kind of making his own rules and doing his own thing. Yeah. So then you guys moved to Maine, which I think his family is from there. Is that why you moved back yep. there? Okay. Mm -hmm. And you said you started the business there. Was that separate from EO Fire or was that? Yeah. Because when we moved to Maine, John was moving for like this huge career switch, which he thought was kind of going to be like his forever career. And he went into commercial real estate this time. And he was on a partner track with his brother-in-law at a um, small uh, commercial firm out in Maine. And I started a business called Kate's Copy, which was my, my go at having a copywriting business and helping local entrepreneurs who are brick and mortar move their business online for like more visibility, which totally did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Kate's Copy, not Kate's Coffee. Is that right? Okay. Right. You got it. Coffee. I thought it was a coffee shop. I just actually finished an interview with, a, with an old friend who uh, has a coffee business in San Francisco. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. But 
very different business. So Kate, you said that didn't work out. Uh, so why, why didn't that work out? What was the failure there and what did you learn from it? Yeah, there, I mean, I was just like treading water, I guess would be the best explanation. I had no idea what I was doing. I, and, and, and this was like, you know, I had had these conversations with my friends and I kind of knew what entrepreneurship was, but I had no idea how to start a business. And it was kind of the timing of it all that I quit my job to move to Maine to be with John, that it was like, oh, this is quote unquote, the perfect time to do this. So that, that played a factor in me just kind of like going for it, even though I had no idea what I was doing. But my biggest issue looking back on it and knowing what I know now is I had no idea who my ideal client was. I was going to meetups and mixers and talking to anyone and everyone. I had no idea how to talk about my business or the services that I had to offer. I lacked loads of confidence. So I was really shy about trying to pitch myself and I'm not a salesperson. So that was really uncomfortable. Like (laughs) basically anything that could have gone wrong went wrong, but it was such an amazing learning experience because it kind of threw me into this world that, that, you know, months before I, I really didn't know existed or I didn't know that it was a possibility. So it showed me that it was a possibility. Yeah. And trying that gave you the experience of, of giving it that first shot. And I know you, you know, now in your, your later wiser years talk about you know, having a niche and knowing exactly who your target customer is. Right. But I, you know, I've started businesses and, and coached others who, who do that. And even if you talk about the importance of that, you still, it's so scary to do that because you're like, well, but what about this other person that might be my customer? Like, I don't want to close myself off to them. I need to be open up to everybody, right? But then it's... Totally. Then you're kind of open to nobody. Yeah. So, so John started Entrepreneur on Fire, right? And that was the next bit. You came in and joined him with that. Was that... Did that seem like a big risk at the time? Not only because you didn't know where it was going, but also joining your boyfriend in a business and, you know, kind of putting a lot of I don't know, emotional and time, money, capital in in one place? A hundred percent. Yeah. So when I folded my business, John was still working in corporate real estate. I started working for an advertising and marketing agency. So it was while I was working at that advertising and marketing agency that John quit his job in commercial real estate to start Entrepreneurs on Fire. So we kind of like swapped. I was entrepreneur, he was the corporate, and then I went to corporate and he went to entrepreneurship. And it was really cool because I got to see him kind of start and formulate that idea. The passion that he had for it was like so incredible. And I'd never seen somebody that was that excited and happy about what they were about to do. Like that was so unfamiliar to me. And that kind of describes, you know, a lot of what I love about John, period, is that he's so enthusiastic. He goes at things 110%. So when he told me about this idea, I was like, no doubt, you should quit your job. You should absolutely do this. I support you 110%. I have no idea what a podcast is, but you got this. <laughs> <laughs> and so for that was in like April, May timeframe that he kind of first initially started talking about that. He quit commercial real estate in June. He launched Entrepreneurs on Fire in September. And around January is when he came to me and said, like, what do you think about quitting your job and working with me? And yes, all of those feelings that you described was everything that flooded into my mind. Like, 
how do we know that this is going to work? Even though it had started picking up loads of momentum and traction and he was actually gener- generating revenue that seemed to be consistent. And he had lots of ideas for communities, for a mastermind, for products that, and services that he wanted to create, but he couldn't do it by himself. So he saw the opportunity that if I could come on board, that we could do that together. Definitely the relationship thing freaked me out because at that point in time, John and I started dating when he moved to Maine. So like the beginning of our relationship was him leaving San Diego. We did long distance for like four months before I moved to Maine. And like we had only been living together for like six months when he started the business. And so for only like a year when our relationship was still very new (laughs) and we had moved very fast. So yeah, I I definitely had all of those doubts and, and I was very open with him about that too. So it took probably about four months before like we had had enough conversations about it and had really brainstormed what that was going to look like and how it's going to work before I quit my job and came on the team. So my other question about that would be, you're you're quitting your job to you know forget whether it's your boyfriend or not you're joining a very small business right you know two people mm-hmm. and it's growing and he's saying i think you can help me with these things but are these things you that you've done before like what's your confidence level in going you know going in and being able to execute i mean obviously we know looking back you did a, a hell of a job but at that time you know knowing whether you could do this or not i was pretty confident about like the implementation stuff because in pretty much every job I'd ever had, whether it was in banking or advertising and marketing or like whatever it was, people always came to me and said, this is what I want to do. I don't know how to do it. Can you help me? And I've always kind of luckily had that skill set of like, even if I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to figure it out, I say yes and I figure it out. I I find myself to be a very resourceful person. I like learning new tools. I like being behind the scenes. I'm not really one to, you know, want to be like necessarily, even though I am now on stage or, you know, the person behind the podcast. But so in that respect, I was confident. What I really wasn't confident about was understanding how this was all working. So like I remember my, my first day working with John, I was literally just going through like his email inbox and like reading what people would write him about, like listening to how he, or or reading how he would respond to them, Mm. listening to the podcast and trying to figure out how, like who all of these superstars were that John was so excited to talk to. And I'm like, I've never heard of this person before. Like, why are they such a big deal? Like when I tell my wife, I got somebody, I'm like, "Eh, so-and-so on the podcast. She's like, oh, who's that? Yeah. (laughs) Forget certain people are famous in some circles. It doesn't mean anything to anyone else. Right. Totally. So I, I, that was my biggest fear, I think. And, and what I was most nervous about is like, I just, I didn't know how any of that worked. Yeah. So what was, was it when you came on, you know, you're figuring all this stuff out and it sounds like you, you did figure a lot of this stuff out. What was, what was one of the, the smartest things you did at the beginning to really get things going and, and make it successful? You know, what was really helpful for me is I went into our email service provider, which at the time we were using AWeber. And I turned on the setting or notification so that anytime somebody opted into our email 
list, I would get an email notification of that. So it would like, you know, I, I'd go into my inbox every day and I'd have, you know, maybe 10, 15 emails that said like, hey, Andy just signed up for the email list and it would show your email address. So every time somebody signed up for the email address or for the email list, I would reply or create an email to them that just said like, Hey, thanks so much for joining Fire Nation. We're super excited that you opted in to get like whatever download. I just wanted to reach out. I'm Kate. I work for the team. I'm just wondering what you have going on right now and like maybe what your biggest struggle or, or something that, you know, is kind of like a roadblock for you right now. And I learned so much through having, through having those email conversations because not only was I learning about our audience, but I was like specifically, which you know is so powerful. You know, I was figuring out like who exactly we were talking to, who was being drawn to the podcast and who was opting in that. And I was getting a look at what entrepreneurship was all about. Like all these struggles people were coming to me with. I could relate to a lot of them from, mm -hmm. you know, all the mistakes that I had made with Kate's copy, but a lot of them were also new to me. I was thinking, you know, like, oh, I, I didn't know that figuring out how to put together a WordPress site was like going to be a struggle for people. So that really kind of like started my ability to understand the world that I was in. Mm. And did that lead to, did you, did you find ways to take advantage of that in terms of either trying to help people with recommendations or even like turning those into business ideas. Cause I know throughout you fire, especially in the later years, you've had a lot of affiliations and things with different businesses that can help in certain areas. Is that one of the things that led to that or what did you do with that information learning? Well, so what was really huge about that is I, I was starting our blog and I was taking over our email newsletter list. And so every time somebody replied to me via email with a struggle or a question that they had, I could turn that into a blog post or a, an email newsletter to our list. So it was great content creation ideas. And I mean, at the time, that was kind of like very, not only very educational for me, but it was helping me in the content creation department. But like to fast forward to today and to think of how much content we put on our site, like our score, our, our website is such a powerful tool for us now. Like over 50% of our traffic every single month that we get on our website is Google, people searching in Google. Wow, and really? if it weren't for those posts, the, the podcast show notes that we have, you know, all of that content on our site, our site never would have reached that ranking. So at the time... I was, you know, I, was, I wasn't smart enough to know that that was even going on. But like looking back on it, you know, that was, that was really, those email conversations were powerful in so many different ways. And I think because of the connection, people felt that, you know, that was still fairly early on in the online world. Like, don't get me wrong. People had been doing online things for a really long time. Yeah. But podcasting was just kind of like breaking out into the scene. And I think that it was different for people that they were actually getting to be in contact with a human at a company instead of like automation and like, you know, all of these things. So I really started leveraging my ability to create relationships and relate to people mm -hmm. in order to make people feel like they were really a part of this community that we called Fire Nation, you know, like it wasn't just like, John's voice on the podcast saying like, Hey, Fire Nation, what's up? Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. But it was also Kate who's emailing me and welcoming me to the email list and asking me what I have going on in my business. So 
I think too, those relationships built a lot of the initial trust from our community, which then, you know, soon enough was turning into when we launched our Fire Nation Elite Mastermind community, a lot of those people felt they already knew, liked, and trusted us. Mm. And um, so that was really good initial momentum for our, our very first communities and products and services too. I was going to ask you about the community perspective because you, I know you had the email list and people that you're emailing with. Um, you mentioned the mastermind community, which I, I don't know that much about, but, but I don't think you ever started an actual uh, community of forum or Facebook group or something like that for all of the listeners. To, to, did you said something you, you talked about and decided against or why didn't you do that? Or am I wrong about that? No, you're right. You know, we, we've always had the Entrepreneurs on Fire Facebook page, but in terms of groups, we started that Fire Nation Elite Mastermind, which was a paid mastermind. We capped it at 100 members and that was the first ever private Facebook group that we created. Mm. And I think at the time, the conversations that we had around, you know, Facebook groups really weren't that big of a thing back then. Now people are, are crazy about Facebook groups as they should yeah. be because they're amazing. It's, a, it's right. a really great way to bring your community together, regardless yeah. if it's paid community or open community. Right. But back then they really weren't that big of a deal. To be honest with you, the only reason we started a private Facebook group is because we tried to do a forum on the membership site and like people didn't like it. They, mm. they wouldn't go there. And we had so many people saying like, why don't you just let us do a Facebook group instead of this forum because we're already on Facebook and it's an easy place for us to communicate. Right. So we started that. And, and then I think that because we had that for our paid members and we were trying to put our energy and our focus into like what we were creating there, that opening up a private Facebook group for like all of our listeners, I just don't think we could have done it right. We didn't have the bandwidth, the capacity. And you know, I don't know. I, I guess if, if I were to like try and be inside my head back then, I would maybe think like, this is a really huge benefit for our paid members. Like what if we're offering it to everyone? Like what, will our paid members not really think it's that big of a deal anymore? Mm. If they could just go be in our Facebook group for free? I, I don't know the answer to that, but. It's trade-offs. It's yeah. tough, right? Cool. Well, I mean, you, you did some, some great things along the way, right? What's, uh, and maybe you've gotten, I'm sure you've gotten this question before because it's on your own show, but like what's mm-hmm. one of the biggest failures or things that didn't go as planned that you learned from on this journey? Oh man. I would have to say like payment processor stuff. <laughs> really? Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> Take me to that moment. Yeah. it's It was probably the most painful moment I've had in our business because there was so many other struggles that we were facing at the time that it was kind of like, you know, felt like a hundred bricks on top of me. And that was like the hundred and first. And I just wanted to like break down and cry, which I actually did a couple of times. But anyway, so bottom line, I'll tell you my biggest lesson learned. And then I'm going to tell you this story. My biggest lesson learned is that nobody cares about your business as much as you do. Nobody cares about your business, but you do. That's a very hard lesson to learn. I've learned it many times and I continue to remind myself that every single day because no matter how much you're paying a contractor or you know, how much a team member is, loves your brand, it's not their business. Right, they don't care. So to take you to that story, we were in the midst of switching merchant providers because when we moved to Puerto Rico, we weren't able to use the same uh, merchant and processor that we had Mm. in the States. 
apparently Puerto Rico is international, which is not, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's one of those tricky situations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we switched merchant providers and um, everything seems like it's gone okay. But in the midst of that, switching it over an Infusionsoft from one processor to the other, a bunch of people's payments got disconnected. We're missing payments left and right. People aren't like paying for the services and the products that we're providing. That was a huge snafu. We had to email, I think, over 100 people and basically ask, try to resell them on rejoining because they had to then go and re-enter all their information, which is a huge inconvenience for them. Yep. So that was thinking, really tough. thinking about leaving, this is like exactly. a great opportunity, right? Rather than something just automatically charging them every month. Exactly. And on the flip side of that, we also had about 60 or 70 people who got charged who shouldn't have been charged. So we had to go back to those people and profusely apologize for the fact that that happened. And if that wasn't enough, a few months later, we realized that even though when we switched over to the new merchant provider, they told us everything was set up and okay. And this is where like no one cares about your business as much as you do really comes into play. Because about two months later, when reviewing our books, I recognized that no American Express or Discover cards were being processed. Like they were showing processed by our processor, but our merchant wasn't actually like billing it. So for two, two, three months, by the time we got it fixed, none of those charges were going through. We were, we were not receiving thousands and thousands of dollars that we should have been receiving. And merchant people didn't tell us about it. Processing people didn't tell us about it. Like nobody told us about it. And you know, it was such a great, it was, it was so, so hard. Like I can't tell you how many hours I spent on the phone with customer service. We, had, we ended up having to open a separate merchant account with American Express. We ended up having to ditch Discover Card altogether. Mm. It was such a hot mess. But I learned so much from that. Like not only the whole, like nobody cares about your business as much as you do, but like taking full responsibility for the things that happen in your business, which is super difficult to do because at the same time, like you can't do everything. Right. You know, I felt terrible. I felt like my gut had been pulled out when I realized that like that was my responsibility to make sure that that was working and it wasn't yeah. working. And I felt like I had let myself down, like I had let John down, like I had let our team down, like I had let our customers down, like I had let, you know, I've, I just felt like I let so many people down and it was hard to come back from that. It was not a fun situation. Yeah, but you got it all fixed, right? And you, you figured got it, it out. Got it all fixed. <laughs> and you learned those lessons and uh, now you know better you can help other people through the, through the same stuff if, uh, if asked, right? Yeah. Um, so as you've been going through and uh, you know ex- experiencing all this, you've been meeting lots of people, learning tons of stuff about entrepreneurship. I want to ask you about like resources. What's a book that you recommend most often to other people? Because I know there's tons out there. Yeah, have you read Essentialism? Yeah, Greg McEwen. I, I met him when that book came out a few years ago. It's uh, no kidding. Yeah. That that's that's probably my top recommendation right now. When it came out, I read it, and mm-hmm. since I probably read it like seven or eight times, wow. it's kind of like one of those books that I pick up maybe every six to eight months when I feel myself slipping, <laughs> mm-hmm. just to give myself those reminders about like you know whenever you say yes, you're saying no to something else. His analogy about cleaning out the closet, I love it. It's such a great time management book. So if anybody feels like they're struggling with overwhelm, like they have a hard time saying no to things, that's one of my top books of all time, I'd say. 
Yeah, that's so good. I, yeah, when that book came out, I had a friend in common with Greg, a good friend of mine, sort of went to school with him at Stanford. And uh, he organized this happy hour and, and Greg came and spoke. Uh, maybe this before he got too big time because I don't know if he's still doing like small happy hour talks or whatever. But yeah. one of the things that I took away from that that's, that stayed with me forever is he talked about, he was a great speaker and he talked about how Americans wear the word busy as a badge, you know, and everybody's uh. going around being so busy that I really focused in on the most important things. And ever since that moment, I've tried to eliminate the B word from my vocabulary. People are like, you, you talk to anybody and you ask, how are you doing? Oh, so busy. So busy. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Is that, you know, you start thinking about it, like, is that good? Yeah. I have time to do anything else that maybe you want to do because you're busy with whatever work stuff that, you know, so I, I, I've definitely tried to change that in my vocabulary and my thought. Now, I mean, we're entrepreneurs, right? We're pursuing this, this greater thing. You know, I want to be, I want to tell someone like, oh, I sat down and read a book for a couple hours today, right? And be really proud of that. Yeah. Had time to do things. Absolutely. Not only like that, that's so true. And I'm totally on the same page with you. I'm thinking back to the beginning of our conversation today. And I'm like, I hope I didn't say that I was busy because I'm, (laughs) I'm so like with you on that. I really have been trying to not say that because it drives me crazy when people say that. I'm like, that's not what I meant when I asked you, how's it going or what's going on? Like, tell me something that you did that's keeping you so busy so it can at least be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I think the caveat to that though is if you are running your own business, you're very passionate about it. I mean, you're making big changes in your business right now and you are excited about those things and you have a lot going on. I mean, I think it's okay to say, hey, you know, I'm busy. I've got all this stuff going on, but it's not like you're just wearing it as this, this badge of honor. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415-925-925. 6832. And now back to the show. I know that you are a big fan of uh, using a journal, right? To check productivity. You have the Freedom Journal and the Mastery Journal, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, what, is there any part of your routine or habits that you have that you attribute to your success? Definitely. The Mastery Journal has changed the way that I work. Like so big time. John was actually just in my office the other day and and we were talking about productivity because I remember maybe about a year and a half ago, like right before the Mastery Journal came out, actually, I I was expressing some frustration with him that I I felt like I was busy all the time, but I didn't feel like I was getting anything done. I like I had no progress to show. And and one night he as we were like, you know, getting ready for dinner or whatever, he said, like, so what like how, how was your day? What went on today? And I'm like, I actually don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I literally can't tell you what I did today. It was that unproductive and jumbled and like, right. you know, whatever else. Right. And he's like, well, I hear that there's this thing called the mastery journal that could help with that. So the next morning I started using the mastery journal. And I think the biggest thing with the mastery journal for me is the when tomorrow today, which focuses on you 
naming one goal that you want to accomplish tomorrow. And why that's so helpful for me is because I had a really bad habit of getting to my computer in the morning and diving into email or like diving into social media. Total reaction mode. And oh, total reaction mode. And that would go on for hours. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, I was doing something, yeah. but like- busy. I was doing other people's things. I wasn't doing anything that I that that would have moved our business forward, like from a me producing something perspective. Mm -hmm. And so the night before, I always say this is the one goal that I want to accomplish tomorrow. And that's a sticky note on my computer. The very first thing I do in the morning is that one thing. And it's typically something that I don't want to do. It's typically something that I've been pushing off and pushing off and pushing off, even though I know it has to get done. You know, Brian Tracy says, eat that frog. So my, my one task that I focus on right away in the morning, it keeps me out of reactive mode. And the awesome thing about it too, is that once you focus in on that one task in the morning, you get it done, especially if it's one of those tasks that you don't really want to do, then you got momentum. Then you're like, wow, I just crushed that task. I want to do another task and it'll keep me out of my inbox. It'll keep me off social media. And sometimes I'll do, um, you know, in the Mastery Journal, there are focus sessions. Mm -hmm. There's four focus sessions a day. Sometimes I'll do like seven focus sessions a day um, because I'm just like on a roll and I don't want to stop. It's very addicting. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a big switch for me using those focus sessions in the morning. I, I kind of came onto that after reading two books uh, a couple of years ago. One was 15 Secrets That Highly Successful People Know About Time Management by Kevin Cruz. And the other one was The One Thing by Gary Keller. Mm. And both talk about blocking that time in the morning to do the big thing that you need to do and being intentional with that time. And I started doing that and you know, not responding to all these emails. I was in sales at the time for a consulting company. And I said, all right, from nine to 12, I'm just doing business development. I'm not doing anything else. And I saw a lot more better results because I started focusing in on spending that time on those things that I needed to do and then started scheduling everything and just getting a lot more things done. And then also having the journal, I use the Freedom Journal every day and having that to kind of track my progress. What are the things I want to get done today? When am I going to get those things done? Um, Just makes me a hell of a lot more productive. Yeah. It's super simple stuff, right? Like once you do it one time, like you actually want to do it again. Once you just have that format in front of you, like it's very easy to make it habitual. And, you know, the great thing about that first thing in the morning, and and I love that the one thing book too, it's amazing, is that that's like your best energy and your best brain power too. Because if, if you're in reaction mode right away in the morning, by the time you ever get out of that black hole, you're going to be so spent. There's no way you're going to want to work on something that you didn't even really want to work on in the first place. Mm-hmm. Kate, what's one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? Hmm. Either in time or money. That's a good one. You know, the the first thing that popped into my head, and I didn't want to be cliche, so I wasn't going to say it, but it is the first thing that popped into my head is um, the first time I spent money on a coach, mm. um, like a mentor. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a cheapo. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> like, literally everything is, is a, 
an ongoing conversation with myself when it comes to money, which I I think there are a lot of positives to that. But when it comes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when I first launched Kate's Copy and was really, really struggling, you know, John was like, maybe you should look into like a mastermind group, a coach or something like that. So I, I did end up hooking up with a coach and, and that was a really informative time for me. I, I'd never hired a coach, but I'd never spent money on education for myself other than the thousands of dollars that I spent right. on college. Right. Yeah. No biggie. Yeah. <laughs> but like to actually have an individual who was dedicated to me and my success, that, you know, that was a new experience for me. And I think it was a really good one. That's cool. And I know from being somewhat familiar with John's story that he credits uh, coaches a lot in, in the beginning for getting the podcast launched. I think Jamie Masters and somebody else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, related to personal growth and investing in yourself, ha- have you invested in any personal growth or conferences that have really paid off and, and great for you? I mean, I know we met at one great one podcast movement, but yeah. any others that you highly recommend? Podcast movement is definitely a great one. Funnel Hacking Live for anyone who's kind of in the online funnel, you know, marketing world, it's put on by Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels. And um, he puts on a really good event. I went two years ago and it was an inspiring, it was an inspiring group of people. And, and there were some really great talks at that. Um, so that's a great one. Chris Ducker's Youpreneur Summit in London. Hmm. He just held the first one this past year in November. So there's another one coming up. The second annual will be this year. I believe it's in November again. And, and that, was, that was a really great experience. He brought together a really amazing uh, speaker lineup, which I know he's bringing together again this year. So Youpreneur Summit is, is the name of that one. I love events. I love live events because even if like I'm not going there as an attendee, like if I'm speaking at an event or something, I love being able to meet up with people who I've only communicated with online up to that point. Like yeah. it's so cool to have that online relationship, but it's like, I'm, it, you and I is a perfect example. Like it's yep. so cool to take it to the next level and like be able to hang out in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that too. You know, speaking of that, I mean, I've got, I, I've, this last couple of years, I've built a lot of friendships on Facebook. It's been interesting. I'm involved in dad groups and some other things. And now getting to go to some conferences, there's a summit coming up this summer. I'm going to meet a lot of people in person. It's really cool to, to take that online and learn stuff at the yeah. same time. Going back to your comment about, you know, you mentioned essentialism being one, the, the best book you recommend. What have you gotten better at saying no to over the last uh, couple of years since you've read that? Probably people reaching out to me for podcast interviews like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I actually really love doing these. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to like word this the right way, which there's probably not really any right way to word it, but basically people like wanting free coaching, mm. you know, like someone will start an email conversation. That's a question, which I'm more than happy to answer, but I'm really, really bad at just like you know, John will tell you this is my biggest weakness. And he, and I could, I would be the best coach in the world and the worst coach in the world in terms of like myself and my own time, because I, I just, I, I give too much maybe. And so like somebody would reach out with a question, I'd answer it. They'd come back with another question. I'd answer it. They come back with it. And all of a sudden, like, I feel like I'm coaching them, You're but coaching like, them I'm not getting now, any right? money. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm not being like compensated for it, which is totally fine. I'm, I'm more than happy to help people out, but I've become a lot better at, at cutting off those conversations in a very nice and, you know, 
what I hope is a diplomatic way. Yeah, uh, that's great. I mean, I, I think I have a tendency to want to do that too, but you know, you start getting yeah. a lot of emails and requests from people and you've got a business, right? And you've got paying customers. So you really have to devote your time to them. Totally. And one of the things I've learned is, yeah, there's a, there's a benefit to investing in uh, actually having a paid coach or a mastermind group, which I'm in. And I've learned from my mentor, Vincent Puglese, who I think you may even know recently is, you know, if he wants to ask someone questions and hire them as a coach, he'll even, you know, offer to hire them. Can I pay you? And yeah. that kind of changes the, the conversation, right? And you're like, oh, okay, this is more official now. But a lot of totally. people are, are cheap like us. I don't know, not willing to do yeah. that. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult to, to do that, right? But then you get more time. We only have a few minutes left. So the other, the other question I want to ask is because you've, especially been on this journey, like me, for anyone, well, especially let's think about kids coming out of college, smart, ambitious, professional coming out of college. What's, what's one piece of advice you give to that person doesn't really know what they want to do? Question the norm. I would say, you know, when I came out of college, I was just like, go find job. You know, I was like very like, this is the path. Um, and, and I wish that somebody would have told me to question the norm back then. I wish I would have recognized that the options are as plentiful as I create them. You know, it's up to you. That, that that's one of the biggest things that I learned when I finally ditched my corporate job and started my own business the first time is I was always waiting and expecting for somebody else to give me something. Like I thought when I graduated that like somebody owed me a job. And when I got a job, I thought that the people at that job owed me a promotion. And, and you know, when I got a promotion, I thought that my boss owed me a raise. Like nobody owes me anything. I need to go out there and figure it out myself. I need to go create what I want in my life. I need to realize that the actions I'm taking right now are creating my future. Like there's just so many small mindset tweaks like that that made such a huge difference for me. So I would say question the norm, recognize that like this is you calling the shots. This is your life. Nobody owes you anything. Um, So take ownership and start creating the future that you want through the actions you're taking today. I like that. I like that. And what about for the person in the corporate world listening right now? who is thinking about taking that leap into entrepreneurship and and starting their own business, what advice do you give them? It's one step at a time. Like I I remember when I was thinking about entrepreneurship at work, um, you know, it was very intimidating and scary because I was picturing myself as I was sitting behind a desk on the 13th floor of a bank building. Like, how am I ever going to get to that place where I'm at home working for myself, running a successful business? And it's impossible to do that because you're never going to go from sitting behind the desk on the 13th floor of the bank building to being in your house running a successful business. There's so many small steps that happen in between that. So instead of putting so much pressure and overwhelm on yourself, take a step back and say, like, maybe my first step is, is looking at my finances and my budget and figuring out when I can actually leave this job. And then maybe the next step after that is like figuring out what your biggest passion is. Like, what's your business going to be about? Or like, what are you going to be helping people do? What's the impact you're going to make? Like, yeah. do the small stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 I, it's so true. And it's so funny that you mentioned, it seemed like such a big, huge step that you would even get to a place where you're at home running your own business. Could you imagine that a few years later, you'd be on stage speaking at, you know, conferences about podcasting and entrepreneurship. You have a book on digital, you know, digital businesses. uh, Never. Speaking on amazing podcasts like this one. 
you know exactly <laughs> <laughs> connecting with incredible people who yeah. are like you know live across the united states or across the world in some right. cases right yeah. yeah it's amazing life is a life is a great journey you just got to keep putting out stuff out there taking it one step at a time like you said absolutely Okay, this has been great. Uh, for anybody who wants to get in touch with you or uh, maybe follow your podcast or podcasts, uh, where do they go? What's the best place to find you? Well, our home base is eofire.com. So that's where all the magic happens. But I'd, I'd love to hear from anyone via email. I'm still as passionate about those conversations that I had the first day I started at EO Fire. I'm still as passionate about those now. So if anybody wants to shoot me an email, I'm kate at eofire.com. Awesome. And if anybody wants to uh, interact with both of us, we're both pretty active in the Freedom Journal, Mastery Journal yeah. group on Facebook. Uh, so grab one of those and uh, jump into the conversation there. Uh, Kate, thanks so much for coming on the, on the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. This has been uh, really a great discussion. I've enjoyed it. I hope it's valuable for our listeners. So thanks again for coming on. Totally agree. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.